Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 5, Episode 6. Welcome back to Great Ridge Station. This time around, I want to address a challenging topic. And just by nature of the material, this episode will ask you to think about some questions that might be uncomfortable. This is not a trigger warning. I'm confident that you can handle it. But I'm going to be addressing some ideas, and I have no choice but to connect them with ideas drawn from my Christian faith. That's not an apology, but it is an explanation. You don't have to agree with me, but I have to be honest with who I am, how God wired me up, and how I seize it. So, admittedly, Season 5 has not been the most cheerful, at least so far. The title of this episode isn't going to raise the bar, either. (laughs) This time around, I want to ask you the question. The title of this episode, What Will You Do With Your Despair? This episode has its genesis in an event that happened a few months back. As I've said on many occasions, I marvel at how things have turned out. It's absolutely inconceivable to me that I earned a Ph.D. and teach in a graduate program at Bethel University. You know, when I applied to be a graduate student, it was with a lot of fear, because I really thought of Bethel as the Harvard of the Midwest. Basically, I still do. But despite the long-shot odds, Bethel was willing to take a chance on me when I enrolled in their master's program. And I want to say thanks to Dr. Bill Johnson for giving me that shot. So, several years and a Ph.D. later, here I am, teaching at Bethel. Now, last fall, I applied for a tenure renewal. Tenure is not a foregone conclusion. It's a challenging process. I submitted a 180-page document to support my application. When all was said and done, my tenure renewal was approved. Now, that's just background for this story, so thanks for staying with me. I spent some time thinking back over the path I've taken. From my undergrad days, it was not a direct route. There were ups and downs, and frankly, sometimes more downs than ups. And I got thinking about the path that brought me here. And I had a chance to think about the people along the way who invested in me, who believed in me, and who encouraged me. So during my undergrad college degree, I had three professors who had a profound impact on me. One of them I had a chance to thank in person. One of them seems to have disappeared, so if any of you know a Dave Jameson, Ph.D., who taught political theory and constitutional law about 40 years ago, well, let me know. Now, the third professor taught English, and that was the field where I earned my Bachelor of Science degree. This particular instructor was a favorite of mine. I tracked him down and found out that he was a professor emeritus and found an email address for him on my old university's website. So rather than tell you the story, I'm just going to read you the email that I wrote to him. Uh, You'll notice that I'm not mentioning him by name, and the reason for that will become obvious. I made a few edits, but minus a few personal details, here's the note that I sent to him. Dear Professor, You probably don't remember me, and that's okay. I was one of the horde of under-motivated kids in the early 1980s. I'm writing to you to thank you for your investment in my life. You and Dr. Bob were the two people who saw something in me that no one else, including me, saw. 
I got out of college with a Bachelor of Science in English, a somewhat irrational degree, but it served me well. I spent several years doing technical communication and project management. Several years ago, I earned a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership, and that move was strictly for self-defense. I kept getting hired into consulting jobs, and anywhere from three weeks to three months later, I found myself running the show. I decided to pursue that degree because if I was going to get thrown into leadership, I probably ought to know something about it. It wasn't long after that that I found myself working part-time as an adjunct instructor. After I earned my Ph.D., I was hired by Bethel University, and now I serve as the program director for the Master of Arts in Strategic Leadership, and I still carry a full teaching load. I'm grateful every day for the work I get to do. I was reflecting on my path while preparing documentation for tenure renewal, and I remembered how you took the time to help me learn to study and encouraged me in my work. And that's exactly what I try to do and model for the students I get to serve. God has blessed us beyond my comprehension, and I often marvel at where we wound up. I've found my passion in teaching adults to think differently and lead effectively. I owe you a great debt of gratitude. It's not important that you remember me, but just know that I remember you, and I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to learn under your tutelage. The class you taught on Milton had a profound impact on me, and your class on children's literature was not required for my degree, but the developmental models you taught have served me well throughout my life. All these years later, those lessons have stuck with me. Of course, it's easier now, since there's no test anxiety. I close the note with a few personal comments, a thank you, and a reminder that I still remember him and benefit from the things he taught me. Now, I really wasn't expecting a response from him, and radio silence would have been fine. But he did write back. Again, this is edited, but here's his response. What a wonderful and most lovely email that moved me to tears. In honesty, I cannot say with assurance that I remember you, but I hope you'll understand that after 40 years and 10,000 students, that's the case. However, I was deeply moved by your kind words, and I want you to know that they came at a most timely period of my life. Because of the pandemic and my current age, I've been reflecting on my 50 years of teaching university students and wondering what impact, if any, I made on my students. When I read the obituaries of my contemporaries, I inevitably would feel worthless when comparing my life to others and to their accomplishments. I remember the most influential professor in my life, who was the reason I changed my major from engineering to English, telling me that the vocation of teaching was indeed a calling from the Lord, and a most noble one at that. He also told me that teaching would be a way to help and influence students to build a better society and world. Of course, I believed him and continued on with that belief until recently when, with all the things that have been happening over the past few years, eroded that belief and that dedication that left me with a feeling that my 50 years were indeed wasted and made no impact on whatsoever. Then your email arrived, restoring my belief that those years teaching Milton that I loved so much were indeed not wasted, and they had an impact on at least one student who has gone on to further the struggle against ignorance and to encourage students and help them in their work. I have no doubt, as Shakespeare wrote, 
There is a providence that shapes our end, no matter how we choose to hew it. Thank you again for your kind words and the timing of their arrival. At the end of Paradise Lost, when Adam and Eve were removed from Eden, Milton wrote that they left hand in hand, the world was all before them, and providence their guide. So too it is with our lives. Best wishes and continued success in your career. That was pretty moving to me. Humbling, a bit overwhelming. And as I've thought about this, one thing strikes me. This professor was one of the best. Back in those days, a friend of mine told me that if I could get into one of this professor's classes, that I should do so. I did, and I wound up taking every course that he offered, regardless of whether or not it was required for my degree or not. Put simply, he was held in high regard by all, and his influence still echoes in my own life and work. Pretty much by any standards, he was a success. And yet. You should know his words shook me. I've been reflecting on my 50 years of teaching university students and wondering what impact, if any, I made on my students. Wow, that was bad enough. But when he went on to say, when I read the obituaries of my contemporaries, I inevitably would feel worthless when comparing my life to others and to their accomplishments. You may not want to think about this, but when the end of your life draws near, you will have regrets. You will have doubts. You will ask yourself, did I choose the right path? Did I wind up where I was supposed to? Now, my increasing geezer factor gives me the credibility to say, yeah, you will have those doubts, and sometimes they will shred you. Right now, think about how you want to handle that. My professor friend shared some great wisdom when he said, I remember the most influential professor in my life telling me that the vocation of teaching was indeed a calling from the Lord and a most noble one at that. And there it is. When we find ourselves facing the inevitable despair and angst of existential uncertainty, the only thing we can do is ask the tough question. And it's not, have I been faithful to my calling? For many of us, the answer to that might be no. And you have to start fixing that right now. But more importantly, the question is, have I been faithful to the one who called me? See, this is a really important idea for me. God's primary calling on our lives is to our relationship with him. It's not primarily about what we do. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We are all prone to doubts. See, the whole point of Easter, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is to restore our broken relationship with God, with others, and even with ourselves. We embrace that by turning from our sins, turning to Jesus Christ, and believing in him, trusting in him. A noble calling, you know, whatever that looks like in your life, begins with that restored relationship with God. That allows him to use you in a whole lot of circumstances, and see the deeper meaning in all of life. It's about living today in a way that points forward to eternity. Yeah, that's not easy, but unless you sort out that matter of faithfulness, you're going to get to a point where you have no answers. Just doubts. Just fears. I hesitated to use the following content for an episode, but I feel like I have to. 
If my professor had those kinds of doubts, what hope do we have? I'm not claiming any special insights, but it seems to me that my email was a bit of a divine appointment. It really seemed wise to me to say thank you to an important influence in my life, and my comments came at just the right time. Somehow, my words served as a reminder of his calling and an assurance that he had faithfully fulfilled it. To me, yeah, that's a bit overwhelming. I just wanted to say thanks, and my words had a greater impact than I ever could have imagined. Well, there are two lessons here. The first, obviously, is about the despair that you will face. Make sure right now that you get that right, that you're working toward the right goals, and that you are reconciled with the God who created you. Secondly, think about who it is that you owe a debt of gratitude. Track them down and say thanks. Let them know the difference that they made for you. And, it, and don't expect a response. You know why? Because this exercise is not about you. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station.